Well, good morning. You know, for years and years and years, God allowed me to be a uh, youth pastor, and I loved my time in youth ministry. Didn't have a clue what I was doing, but uh, uh, God was gracious as he is with us. Lots of great memories, though. We did all kinds of things. Now, we, we, we have, uh, there was the time the semi ran over all of our luggage on a mission trip. You know, there we just have some crazy stories, wonderful memories, but some of the memories are not as good. Uh, I've got a lot of memories of many students who have uh, derailed their lives due to a lack of sexual integrity. There were uh, a lot of middle-aged students, middle-aged students, middle-aged people over the years, men and women both, who have injected all kinds of pain into their spouses' lives, the lives of their children, their parents, their, their circles, because of a lack of uh, sexual integrity. You would be surprised how many seniors have decided to um, end their golden years with, with a lack of sexual integrity. You know, this past week, the uh, study came out regarding probably the most famous uh, evangelist in the Christian Missionary Alliance anyway, Ravi Zacharias. And in 2018, there was some sexual allegations about Ravi, but it was... Uh, uh, told that this was just a couple trying to uh, get his money and extort, and so that was all uh, on the side taken care of. Uh, but then after he died this past May, several other gals came forward, and so Ravi Zacharias Ministries, much to their credit, hired two separate organizations to do interrogation, to look, to study, to investigate, and both groups found that those... Uh, Rumors were, were true, they weren't rumors, and it was much, much worse than that. And I just, it, Ravi was 74. This is not a young man's issue. This is a people issue. And if you think about it, there are only 10 commandments. I mean, only there's a lot of sin that doesn't make the, the top 10 list. A lot of things aren't there. But two of them deal with this very issue. Of course, number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. And number 10, thou shalt not covet. And then he gives us a list of stuff we shouldn't covet. And the first one is your neighbor's spouse. So two of the, the, the 10 deal with, with this. Now, Solomon, I, I love the book of Proverbs. Solomon is wisest guy who ever lived, right? He's getting ready to move on past the baton. So he's talking to the crown prince, Rehoboam. And he says, Rehoboam, if you're going to make it, if your kingdom is going to endure, if you're going to have a, a legacy worth anything, then let me give you some counsel how to do life, how to do this. And he goes over everything from speech to friends to uh, marriage to dealing with aged people, dealing with poverty people. He, he goes over many many different issues, lots of very practical, wonderful, uh, godly wisdom there, but nothing in the book of Proverbs takes as much copy as this issue of sexual integrity. All of chapter 5, half of chapter 6, all of chapter 7, it's as if God knows through the Holy Spirit's inspiration that Solomon knows that nothing has the power to disrail and disrupt and destroy like this. And we, we look at it and we go, you know, if Solomon could have just listened to his own counsel, and if someone like Ravi, and I've got a whole list of folk on my desktop of 
famous celebrity pastors. If I was going for illustrations today, I would not have had any lack because just a ton of folk who've sabotaged their ministries along these lines. And if, if, if I have a feeling that they knew the text. They knew the word of God. And if they failed, oh my goodness, what is hope for us, right? And so, so what we want to do th- this morning, we want to look at... at uh, our key verse, we're going to have a key verse, then we're going to look at five, six, and seven, just some selected passages, and we're going to try to just draw some observations. Why is this so deadly? Why is this so dangerous? And then we're going to see if there's some principles that we can employ for being people of sexual integrity. And, and, and here's my question I ask me, and I want to ask you, is, is this not over yet? Right? We can point all kinds of fingers, but it's not over yet. And all of us have feet of clay, and, and, and it's, 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 oh God, we can hear your word, but can we apply it? Can we embrace it? Can we hold on to it? And pray that for me. I pray that for, for, for y'all. And so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be on a 30,000 jet tour kind of thing this morning. And so we want to look at, at problems 5, 6, and 7. We're just going to be scrambling through here. So turn if you've got that. Uh, here's our key verse, though. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32. It says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Now, we're going to unpack this in just a second, but let me suggest this. First of all, we're not talking about where you've been. We're not talking about what happened. I know, I know. Every time you, we open this up, many of us have experienced this personally and waves of guilt and waves of pain. And we're not talking about where you've been. If you know Christ, there's forgiveness. Don't let the enemy whisper accusations into your ear for sure. But we're talking about where we're going. And so from this point on, from this point on, if in fact you're a young person, what I would suggest is you write this on a card somewhere, you memorize it, you, you say it every day, and you say, from this point on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this. Oh, God, I don't want to fail anywhere else. Please help me not to fail here. If in fact you're a middle-aged person, I would say you write this on a card and say, okay, wherever I've, I've been, but from this point on, oh, oh God, help me to embrace your word, if you're a senior, you got to know, right? The enemy's not done with us till we get home. And so you write this down and you say, I am not going to fail. Please, oh God, would you give me wisdom? As we look at the verse, right? He who commits adultery. Okay, what is adultery? We're getting real basic. I got it this morning. But uh, uh, adultery is... is uh, Physical intimacy with somebody outside your covenant uh, marriage relationship, specifically somebody who's in a marriage covenant relationship with somebody else. But I want to broaden the definition and say that, that adultery is equals, and I think I can say this scripturally, physical intimacy with anybody outside your covenant marital relationship period. And let me tell you why that's important, that, that difference in definition. Because folk who are single will say, yep, you're, you're right. If I'm in a covenant relationship with somebody and so they're in a covenant relationship with somebody, we should not have anything to do with each other. Got it, got it. But if you're single, it's a whole different world. New rules, everything, all systems go. Show me a verse that says, you know, premarital sex is wrong. 
And, and that is not really that hard to find, in all honesty. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should do what? Go to tender, should go to the brothel, should, you know, what, what? No, he should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife his, her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Uh, also, Paul's going to go on to say, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. He's got a pull in there for singleness. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should do what? Get to a brothel. They should figure out and find a good web page that's personal. No, no, they should marry. That's the only solution. Now, there's lots of reasons you should marry and not get married, and there's lots of other guidelines for it, but we don't want to forget that piece of the puzzle either. The only relationship, sexual union, that God will bless is that between a husband and a wife in the context of, of marriage. And so he who commits adultery, and what's, what's he say? He says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. And you can throw other names on that you want. You know, is a moron, is, is a clueless. What he, Solomon's not naming names. He's not, he's not casting stones here. What he's doing is he's just making observations. This is kind of what Solomon does throughout the book. And he, he's saying, if the person, if the person was to stop and think, how will I feel tomorrow? And what is the redeeming qualities and what's going on right here? And what could this possibly lead to? And what kind of damage could this possibly do? And I'm going to have to tell my story one day. Do I really want this to be a part of it? And what will this do to my spouse or my kids? If they really thought that out, they would say, whoa, hang on. There's too many question marks here. There's too much trouble here. I just, I just need to, too much risk. We just need to back off on this one. So Solomon says, person who gets involved, they lack sense. And then, interesting line, he says, the person who does this, destroys himself. I, this, that's interesting. We know he destroys others. We, we know that there are uh, spouses and children and, and parents and all kinds of uh, broken hearts in the midst of such things. We, we, we understand that. But, but Solomon says, no, I don't want to focus on that right now. They destroy themselves. And Paul would agree with this in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6.18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now, we've got to keep in mind, every single sin condemns. Every single sin will send us to hell. Every single sin separates us from God. There's not good sins and, and, and bad sins, but there are some sins these consequences are just socially just a little bit more intense. If I lie when I'm 10 years old to my parents, that's not real good. I can get grounded for however much time. But if I lie when I'm 40 and I'm an accountant and I lie to the judge, you know, I can go to prison. So there are, there are consequences. And Paul says, this category of sin, because God created sex so powerful and, and to bond too in such an amazing thing that when it's abused, that it does its opposite. It works powerfully, but in a negative way. It, it stamps and impresses the psyche and bankrupts the soul. And so whoever goes down this road will destroy themselves. So he's setting us up 
He's letting us know. Now, let's draw some observations from our text. Chapter 5, he says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom and incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. This wants, wants him to know God's word, and this is why he should know it. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Now, forbidden. Sometimes you're, if you've got a King James, it might say this strange woman, forbidden woman, strange woman, unfamiliar woman. It just means somebody who's outside that, that marriage covenant uh, relationship, somebody who shouldn't be a, a part of it. This person, their lips drip honey. Sweetest thing they knew before pre-processed sugar, before stevia, honey was it. The most alluring in a bland diet. You get to some honey, it's like, oh man, this is great, great stuff. But he's, he's, he's not talking about the kisses of the forbidden woman. Now, the honey lips, they're not kisses, it's, it's something else. In Hebrew poetry, line two always defines line one. Line two is, and her speech is smoother than oil. What's, what's the honey lips thing here is her message. It's, it's, it's what she's selling. Her, her looks are, 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 are not the trap. They may be the bait, but they're not, they're not the trap. And so it's this, it's this idea, I mean, that we find this over this text multiple different places in 5, 6, and 7. Let me just read one more to you, 7.21. It says, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. So it's this message that's given that is processed. It's this message that will lead the wrong way. Now, I know, just could hear somebody say, well, hang on, hang on, how come is Solomon is picking on the women here? Oh, honey lips, what, what, how, what, how about the silver-tongued devil thing? I mean, isn't the guy have, isn't he more guilty often? And why is, she, why is he taking a shot? Is this a sexist thing? And it's not, it's not. If you're familiar with the first nine chapters of Proverbs, Solomon is, is, playing with personifications. He's got one metaphor, lady wisdom. And then he's got lady folly. And these two have their different messages that they're proclaiming. And then throughout one through nine, he's also got another character, the simpleton. The simpleton is not righteous and he's not evil. He's just clueless. He's not sure. And he's walking between these two, listening to the messages, wondering which one he should take. And so this whole picture, what Solomon's doing, is, is, is nothing to do with, with gender at all. It has everything to do with the messages spoken. You say, well, oh, okay, well, what is this message that is so alluring, that is so in, intense, that is, that is right there? Well, chapter 7, beginning in verse 6. It says, for at the window of my house, I have looked out through the lattice and I have seen among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a man lacking sense. And our antenna go up. Ah, we know about those who lack sense. They commit adultery, lack sense. We got it. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, verse 10, I don't have that up, but it says, Behold, a woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, but wily at heart. And then it says in verse 13, She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows, so now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. 
Okay, this is the message, right? She starts off with this idea of sacrifices and paying her, her vows. It's a spiritual sense. Maybe what she's saying is God has destined this. God has brought us together. I am so thankful that God has put you in my life. God has brought you across my path. You're a gift from him for me. This is ordained by God. This is what he meant it to be. And then she, she, says that, she says that I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. I've been looking for you my whole life. And I didn't know someone like you really existed. And there are others, of course, but they're nothing like you. This is the real thing. We are kindred spirits. We are soulmates. This is the message that she's going after, right? But it gets, it gets better. In verse 14, she said, or this, verse 16, she says, I've spread my couch with coverings. Colored linens from, from Egyptian linen. I have prefer, perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink. Take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. That's what this is. This is love. This is not, this is not infatuation. This is, this is true love. doesn't come around very often. But this is it. And you see this picture she, she paints. So ecstasy. It doesn't get a whole lot better. We've we got, she, she goes to, for the smells, right? The aphrodisiac smells. She goes with the colored linens, the sight. She goes with the textiles, the feel. She goes, she says, you know what? It's not going to ever get better than this. This is top drawer. Everything else will be secondary than this. So don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this. You walk away, you're going to miss this opportunity. FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. You're going to miss her story keeps going, though. She's not done with her message. Verse 18, she says, For my husband, he's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He's far away. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. So what's she saying? She's saying, we won't get caught. <laughs> there is zero, zero possibility of this costing anything. We can get away with this. Easy. And maybe what she's saying is this. You know, he's my husband, right? He's going to come home. When he comes home, he's still going to be my husband. I'm not looking to leave anybody. I'm not asking you to leave anybody. We don't have to disrupt. We don't have to hurt anybody else. Nobody ever need know anything about this. We're just introducing some joy and excitement and color into our black and white drab lives, and we've earned it after all, and we can't get caught. And then, and one more thing about her message, in verse 11 and 12, we'd skipped those earlier, but it says, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and in every corner she lies in wait. This message is allowed. You can't avoid this message. You go, you go to the market, and you guess what? The message is there. She's there. You go to school, she's waiting for you. She's there. You get on the internet, of course, she's all over the internet, right? Everywhere, she's there. You cannot miss this message. I would dare say, we hear her message all the time. We cannot get away from it. It's in the music. It's in any kind of media there is. It's, we're just inundated with this on a regular basis. And maybe you go to NFL.com, your goal is, sincere goal is, I just want to check the scores. That's all I want to do. But as you get there, there's a big picture of one of the Dallas cheerleaders, and there's a, you know, check out the cheerleader of the week. And you've always kind of admired their athleticism. You say, all right, I'm going to check this as football. Okay. 
Or maybe you go to the mall and you're not, you, you're not thinking anything. You just, you just want to get the sweater and get in and out, right? But you pass Abercrombie and Fitch and suddenly your imagination starts going crazy and you go to the mailbox and you just, you got to go to the mailbox, right? You, pick up, you don't pick up your bills, you're in trouble. Bill, bill, bill. Victoria's Secret catalog, right? With, with the model in all her glory right there and you're going, how in the world did we get on this mailing list? And you, you, you go to the gym and you don't like what you see and you go to the beach and you don't like what you don't see. You can't. Avoid this message. We are soaked with it. We are soaked with it. We're inundated with, her, with, her, with this message. She's loud. She's loud. The message that says, no cost. You can get away with this. This will be the time of your life. It will fill you up. It will satisfy like nothing else. This is true love. This is, this is her message. But what's the truth? That's what she's selling. That's how she's spending it, right? But what's, what's the truth? Well, back, chapter 5, it says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword in the end. Every Events, every situation has an end, right? But in the end, and if the word that they knew that was sweeter than any other word was honey, the word that they know that is more toxic or poisonous than any other word is wormwood, it's bitter. Tastes good, but it leaves an awful, awful aftertaste. You know, years ago, I uh, uh, trying to get rid of a mouse, in Pennsylvania, got a mouse, a mouse they have, mice have, they have a right to live, I got that. But they, this one was getting a little bit too close to my house, was burrowing underneath my patio, and I was told, I got to get rid of this thing, because come winter, that thing's going to want to get in your house. So I said, oh, okay. So I, I didn't want one of these traps, you know, the slap and kill it, because I've got kids in the backyard, and I didn't want that. So I went out, and I bought this, uh, it really was kind of cool, it was a little house, and, and you put food in the house for the mouse. And the mouse smells this food and comes and eats the mouse. And the food, when you open the, the package for the food, I mean, I don't know if mice are colorblind, but it's bright, bright pink. I mean, just bright pink. And it smells like, you know, double bubble on steroids. I mean, it's like, this. I mean, I wanted to lick this stuff because I thought, man, that bet this stuff tastes fantastic. But, but I think I know something that the mouse don't know. And that's on the package, there's a skull and crossbones. And the mouse, this will allure him. It promises everything. And he will come out in this house, and we got the environment all prepared for him, and he will eat, and then he'll go back to his nest and take a nap and not wake up. Wormwood, death, death. If you look, chapter 5, the way they say it, it's, it's interesting. It says, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or a stag caught in fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that in the end it will cost him his, his life. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's re really transpires here? Verse 5, so he says, Keep your way far from her. And do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others. It's going to cost you your reputation. Don't go there. 
and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how oh, I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof, regret. And what he's saying to his son, to us, is you can listen to, to the message of honey lips, or you can listen to the message of Lady Wisdom. But you, you will be forced. You'll come to that, that, that fork in the, the road. But one thing I can guarantee you, you will understand and believe this message of Lady Wisdom at the end. Because at the end, if you buy Honeylip's message, regret, pain, hurt, it's going to cost. So how do we become people of sexual integrity when we live in this sex-saturated world, uh, two, I'll say three things. Um, real quickly, in verse 8 of chapter 5, it says, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. First, stay clear. Stay clear. Chapter, chapter 7, here's our, our case study. We read this a moment ago, but follow along. It says, for at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Bad timing, right? Now, think about our, our guy here for a moment. What happened to him? Well, a couple things, I guess. One is he might have just got lost. Possibility. He just went out for a walk and ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes we just live life and we come across things we don't mean. Maybe. But I don't know if some would be using him as a case study if that was so. So another option, I think, is he might be going there thinking, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going not, not to do anything. I just want to get a little closer because there's a, there's a rush in getting a little closer. And of course, I'm not going to fall, but nothing wrong with the temptation. The temptation isn't sin, right? Just the, just the uh, following through with it. And so I'm not going to follow through with it. Of course, what he doesn't know is, is when we place ourselves in temptation's way for the sake of enjoying the temptation, that is sin. This guy's thinking is is clearly overestimating his own strength. It's underestimating the power of temptation. Listen, we do not stay clear because it's a thing good Christians do. We stay clear because we have feet of clay and we can fall, so stay clear. I don't know what staying clear looks like for you. Maybe your music, right? Let me get real personal for a second because maybe you're listening to, to tunes that, you know, old honey lips could be singing because that's exactly her message. But you couple that with the emotional impact of, of the, the music and, and think that this is not going to affect me. I can soak in the marinade, but not end up tasting like it. Just so you know, it won't affect me. Maybe you need an internet accountability partner. Maybe you're involved in a relationship where the person you're with right now, this dating relationship, they do not respect you. They do not want to protect you. They do not care about your soul 
about your, your relationship with your God obedience, and it's time to stay clear. It's time to, again, I don't know what that might look like for you, but the first point is stay clear. But it's not simply avoid the bad. There's, you know, there's, it's, it's, there's stay clear, but also stay near. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Right after he tells, Solomon tells this boy, stay clear, he says this. Chapter 5, verse 15. He says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. That's a command from God. Uh, so we need to stay clear, but we need to stay near as well. We need, if we water the grass on your side of the fence, it's going to be greener. It's, it's going to be greener. Now, this is the way this works. Honey lips type thing works. You go to work. And maybe you, you actually, you know, you work and you work hard and you get something done well and some people recognize it. Maybe someone recognizes it and says, hey, that was a great job. Man, I don't know if anyone could have done that better than you did it. We feel good about that. Wow, someone recognizes. And maybe someone recognizes your new haircut or your new outfit and they mention something to you. You're looking, you look really good today. That looks fantastic. Wow. Well, that makes you feel good, right? Now, I mean, nothing wrong, nothing trashy, but you feel good. Of course we do. We feel good when someone recognizes us. We want to be around such people. I want to be around people who think I'm important versus a clod. Of course I want to be around such folk. And, and maybe they recognize when you're going through a bad time and they, they empathize with you and they say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm here if you need someone to talk to and I support you. Nothing bad, but I, I, I appreciate that kind of Notice that attention. Maybe they respect or they cherish. And what, what, what happened? Now, I'm not getting this at home. And it's not that my spouse might not like me. It's just an issue that, you know, we've been married a long time. And it's like that, that slow leak, you know. It just drains that tire till it's flat. Marriage is flat. My spouse has given me no respect, no cherish. They're not noticing. We're just trying to get through life together. But this person over here. They're filling up my tank. And I want to be by someone who's filling up my tank. And then I reciprocate, of course, and so I fill up their tank as well. And then in time, I notice their dimples and their smile and their eyes. And there is a very, very thin line between emotional adultery and physical adultery. And Solomon says, stay clear. And then stay near. Does your spouse know that nobody respects them more than you? Does your spouse know that nobody cherishes them in this life more than you? Does your spouse hear compliments genuine and sincere from your lips more than anybody else's? Do they get understanding from you more than anybody else? Basically, are you filling up your spouse's tank uh, stay near, stay near. Let me mention one, one more piece here. I think this is fascinating. And it's almost like an afterthought. In verse 21, 
He says, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. You know, the, the word Lord, that's God's personal name, Yahweh. And this is the only time it appears in these chapters, five, six, and seven. It's the only time it appears. And, and yes, so what's he, what's he saying here? He could be, could be, it could have a nuance of judgment. Could. But I think what he's really referring to is you are in covenant relationship with Yahweh. Remember who you belong to. Rem stay clear. There's never any validation for uh, adultery. Stay near to your spouse and remember he, he's here. If you think Genesis 39, we could do a whole sermon on this, right? When, when Joseph is, is in Potiphar's household, he's the head servant, he's in charge of all of Potiphar's work and Mrs. Potiphar takes notice and Mrs. Potiphar, part of her job is to be eye candy on, on, for Mr. Potiphar. So she's probably a lurker. She's always dressed to the nines. She's got, she can create the environment just like good old honey lips here. And she comes to Joseph and she says, come lie with me. Multiple times, over and again, constantly the message is coming at him. And Joseph's response, how could I do this great sin and sin against God? He's near. I'm in covenant relationship with God. How can I? How can I? In which case, Miss Potiphar has no answer for that because there's no answer for that. If you're conscious of God's presence with me, if you're conscious of, of my relationship with him and, and how he, he paid the price for me, we're aware of that. We, we stay clear from what we need to stay clear from because we're not overestimating our strength. We stay near we take care of that. No, our spouse may not get it. That's irrelevant. Our job is to, to cherish, to love, to respect, to pour into. And then we remember, remember that he's here. I believe, we, I believe, based on Scripture, if we can embrace those, constantly be conscious of those, they will save us, as Solomon promises, from the lips of a forbidden woman. A man went on a uh, business trip, flew from Chicago to Atlanta, business trip. He got on the plane, sat next to a, a gal, and noticed as they were taking off that she was reading a trade magazine from his industry. So they started the conversation and, and uh, realized they both worked in the, in the same industry, and they, he was going to go for a conference. She was going for some special training. But as they talked, they talked about vendors and customers and bosses and the idiosyncrasies of their field. And they laughed and joked. And time just went by like, like that. Until they, when they landed, they realized that they were both staying at the same hotel and looked at each other and said, hey, you know what? Let's save some fare for crying out loud and let's both take the cab to this. We're going to the same place. All right, this sounded good. Good stewardship. And so they, they went there. They they checked in. They went their separate ways, uh, thinking about why well, it was a good conversation. It was nice. Nothing bad happened. It was a good conversation. That was a good. That was good. And the guy showers and changes and watches some TV, and then goes downstairs to the restaurant, to the hotel. He gets in line. He's going to be seated, and he's in line, and suddenly notices a tap on his shoulder, and he turns around, and it's the girl. And so they carry on, pick up the conversation again, right where they left off. They're laughing and joking, and suddenly they're at the front of the line, and the host comes up, and he sees them laughing and joking. What would the host think? And says, table for two? And they look at each other, 
Uh, sure, okay. And they, they sit down for dinner, four-hour dinner. And then after the dinners, they talked about everything, personal. They, were, they just talked, they laughed, they, they, they cried. It was, a, it was a very special time. After dinner, he said, you know, I'm going to go for a walk along the river here. Would you like to join me? And she said, well, let me run up and get my sweater. He said, I'm, I'm going to go grab my jacket. So he went upstairs to his room. As he was putting the key in, he noticed, noticed his wedding ring. He just kind of stopped. Slowly went in his room, sat down on the end of his bed, and just kind of stared at his wedding ring. Pulled up his phone and looked at the pictures of his kids, of his anniversary. He then changed into his pajamas, called his wife to let her know how much he loved her, and went to sleep. When Jesus was here, Jesus knew. As we go through life, we're going to be caught up with all kinds of voices and things that command us. A lot of them just innocuous things that we fall into. Some of them quite, quite, quite alluring, but we'll grab onto it. But what we're going to need is we're going to need a wedding ring where once in a while we can stop, we can look at it, we can remember. And so Jesus brings up, establishes that last night he was here, communion. And he says this, it's all over the communion passages. He says, whenever you do this, I want you to remember me. Remember that you're, you're in relationship with me. This is like the wedding ring between, between us. Remember how much I, I, I'm going to pay to be in that relationship with you. You're bought with a price. I want you to, to remember that my grace is so big that anywhere you've been and whatever, it's, it could be covered be covered. I need you to remember that. And so there, there are two elements in the cup and the bread. If you can take your bread at this point. And for 1,500 years, the bread represented the unleavened bread that they used when they left Egypt. But Jesus said on this night, no, I'm changing it. No, it's not going to be mindful of that anymore. Now it's going to represent my body that will be broken for you. It's part of the price which he bought us, that we're in relationship with him. And then he said, for as often as you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Then after they ate, Scripture says that he took the cup. And if you can open your cup carefully right now. He said, this cup is the New Testament of my blood. It will be spilled out for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Don't just do this thinking about the, the supper later on today or the game or the uh, fact that your garage door is broken. Don't be... Don't, don't be taking this with your mind other places. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what it costs for me to be in relationship with you. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. You know our propensity, you know my propensity to fail. And you know, every single person sitting in here, we have failed so many different ways. 
and you're aware of all of them, and your blood covers them all, and we are so, so, so grateful for that. And the fact that we're still here, we know we've got more time on this earth. Thank you for that. But, but God, I know that the temptations will come, lots of opportunities for us to trip up and fall. Would you remind us, Lord, would you remind us who we belong to? Would you, would you give us the discernment to stay clear from that which we need to stay clear from? Would you solidify the, in the hearts of your people any direction that they need to take? God, would you remind us to stay near to our spouses that you've given to us? We know all kinds of issues with our spouses. And we recognize that there's a lot with us as well. So may we honor you and stay near And then, God, again, would you remind us through this week, through this next month, that you are here with your grace and with your forgiveness. Your presence, I pray it would drive us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you as this Valentine's Day we celebrate love, but we celebrate especially your love for us here in this love, not that we loved you, but that you loved us and you gave your son as an atoning sacrifice. So thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction? Now to him who is able to keep you, to keep me from stumbling. I praise God for that. And to make us stand in his presence blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, to Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all times, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Have a good day.